1: Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it.
2: This episode contains spoilers from the Contemporary Mythos series. There are also mentions of Avatar, Mass Effect, Xena, Doctor Who, and Firefly. For full list, please see show notes.
0: Everybody and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie and I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are welcoming back our friend Carly Spade to discuss her new release, Of Love and Forge,
2: a neosphere novel which is a part of Beyond the Contemporary Mythos.
1: Welcome back Carly. Welcome. Hi, Carly Spade here, USA Today, best-selling author of fantasy romance, I guess you'd say. (laughs) Um, I actually am the author of the Contemporary Mythos series, and I am here to talk about the first in my new spin-off series from that called Beyond a Contemporary Mythos. I'm excited to be here.
0: We're so excited to have you back. Uh, Carly, my first question for you, I guess, is more of a statement. Um, This is... What everything was leading up to? Would that really kind of be a correct sentiment? Uh, the foundations of contemporary mythos have brought you, have brought you here. I personally see a lot of you in this book.
1: Yes, uh, and there's a reason for that. I th- this idea and uh, an adult pirate fantasy mixed with Greek mythology. Which, if you've read Poseidon or anything, you, you get where I'm going with that. Um, those two ideas were actually ideas way before the contemporary mythos series even became a thing or was even an idea in my head um but at the time when I came up with those ideas which i think was about 4 years ago <laughs> um cyberpunk and even pirates were just not in right then. They just, nobody really cared. And cyberpunk, a lot of people didn't even really know what it was. Um, and so I just didn't think that it was the right time. And Hephaestus being a supernatural, galactic, portal-jumping, bounty hunter-type deal, again, that's always been the idea. But I just, it, at the time, it just didn't, I didn't know how it would be Accepted. And I'm actually glad that I waited because I don't think that I personally, as a a writer, was ready to tackle the world building that, that this book entailed, I wasn't ready. Um, and, and writing so many books in between, I couldn't tell you right now how many they were. It was at least seven, (laughs) I think eight, maybe something like that. Um, but in between time really helped me develop, um, just my craft. And so I think that that, yes, you are absolutely right. Um, I knew, I knew going in that these two stories that I had four years ago, this was the way they were going to come about Because then everybody is familiar with my mythos series, or if they're not, these books will in turn let them go back and get familiar with the (laughs) mythos series. Um, But for those that follow me all this way, they are familiar with enough with the characters, but for somebody new coming in, you don't have to have followed the mythos series either. It can completely stand on its own. Um, But I've always wanted to do this Hephaestus Aphrodite story since I was probably 12, um, I didn't know that it was going to be a cyberpunk type deal until four <laughs> years ago, but I have always liked them as a couple. And yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of me and my husband in this, which I didn't even realize until I was probably in my final revisions as I was kind of going through it. And, um, we weren't friends to lovers type deal. That's the, but we just, our personalities, uh, are very, um, it for me, are very obvious in the characters, <laughs> um so it's actually very even special there too, um just knowing personally, just knowing that, so
2: like you said, I think one of the great things about this book is it makes you want to go back and read, like anybody wants to be like, well, who are these other people? Where along the timeline would you say that this kind of lays because we really know that it's sometime before Um, Aries and Harmony are kind of established, but we also at the same time and. Know that Eros and Alani have their daughter, and then, but we also know that um Z hasn't isn't with Kira yet because uh, Hef and Aphrodite are already saying like, you know, making jokes like, "Oh yeah, when's he gonna settle down?"
1: And this is, and I honestly did a lot of research on the science behind time travel, space time, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it is crazy, by the way, um, and I had a hard time. I eventually came to a a mental grasp of it. And then I said, okay, how am I going to explain this? (laughs) I saw an analogy using pool balls, and it was about the only way that I could think of having Hef explain it to the reader kind of try the best that I could but the whole theory is is that pa- the past present and future can all exist at the same time and what happens within either the past or the future can have a direct reflect on each of them and so technically Their story is happening almost at the same time as Zeus. That's kind of what's going on here. And the reason why Ares wasn't supposed to be in the future as long, which was why when he ends up going back, all of a sudden, all that his book already happened and so it's, it's a very an eros um he really hardly ever goes into the future so all of his stuff had already been established but um yeah it's it's really difficult it's, it's a but that's the thing about science fiction too is that they always play on time dimensions comic books do it too if you know familiar with the marvel verse or even dc they have several earths that coexist at the same time and people coexist at the same time but for me, I figured because they, they are Greek gods and they have been around since, you know, the dawn of time and they are immortal, that there is no other carbon copy of them anywhere in the universe. So when they go to another planet or dimension or a future or the past, they are directly af- um, affecting their timeline because that they're it. That's all that exists. And so that's why I, I have so many nods for. I am definitely doing another book for this. I didn't intend it, um, but as I was writing it, it became something way more than I was originally going for. Um, And I have no issue with it because I love this cast and I absolutely, I'm not done with them. And I had a hard time even letting go. I spent longer on revisions than I wanted to because I just kept adding and adding because I just, I did not want to let them go. Um, But there's definitely going to be another book and it's going to be a really huge, huge, not a wrap up, but it is going to be kind of a um, there's going to be a reason for all six of those previous mythos mythos books and the reason why all of that happened and why Gaia had said that there's going to be this new wave and it needs to happen, et cetera, et cetera, because something really huge is about to happen and they're all going to be involved, basically.
2: That's so exciting. Yeah. I'm like is so then you would it be fair to say this is the longest book that you've read thus far or that you've written so far? Yes,
1: definitely. Yeah. I um it's uh I I, I average my mythos series is more based on contemporary romance, so I kind of try to keep it at a um a generous sixty five to seventy five ish thousand words, which is kind of um a happy happy place for that genre but with this just because of the world building because of the character development and because i wanted somebody that hadn't read the mythos books coming in being able to kind of oh okay so here's aries you know a lot of people are already familiar with my aries but i wanted somebody new to be make sure that they were familiar with my type of aries and that i am not going off of what homer did for greek mythology i am saying no to all of that and I just want to make sure they realize this is my interpretation Um, so I had a lot of, and the world building, you know, there's this world, the cyberpunk world that has, you know, a little bit of its own language and its own type of living and yes, it's like a dystopia type environment which is what essentially cyberpunk is, but I just wanted to establish that, you know, this isn't necessarily even earth, but it's, it's a, it's a copy kind of of earth, but in a dystopia type environment. And so because I knew all of that in my head, I had to make sure that I took the time to explain all that and world build and that took more words. So, um, but I, I'm ecstatic to have something as fleshed out as it is. And I, um, not that I, you know, I love contemporary romance in my mythos series, but, I knew I had more to offer and I just I'm excited to be able to show all the different genres that I've really wanted to write in that I couldn't do with a modern day restrictive setting of the mythos series. And I wanted to stick to that because somebody going in would know, okay, this is contemporary romance. It's taking place in our modern day. And so I I don't have the liberty of saying, okay, well, now we're going to go back to pirate times. And I didn't have that liberty. That would have been completely just. Too off the wall for something saying this is contemporary romance. So I'm very excited to be able to explore all the genres um, that I've wanted to. And I would say space fantasy um, and yeah, pirates and everything like that. All of that is actually where I even started when I started full blown writing past fan fiction. So yeah, sci fi, space fantasy type stuff is that is that is more me than anything else. To be honest with you, so. <laughs>
0: When I was reading this, I got kind of like an altered carbon kind of vibe when I was going through um, the world building and things. So it was very easy to visualize. And I have to say, obviously, if you're watching the video of this, um, I'm in all pink and I have my Aphrodite heart. I love what you have done with Aphrodite here and you saying that you are moving away from what the, you know, I'm going to say like the miss whatever, whatever (laughs) we, we don't, we don't need to worry about those. Um, but what you have done is, uh, you have just kind of transformed her into somebody that, um, I loved growing up on Xena and Hercules, obviously, but she, she is just this like pink, gorgeous glitter warrior machine. And I love it. Um, so can you can you kind of walk me through like how you settled on this version of Aphrodite and also of your version of Hef because um you know that that's a that's a that's a myth
1: that they have a myth <laughs> Yes they do Yes they do So um... I actually, I didn't go back and watch the episodes because I didn't want it to have too much influence on me. Um, I went back after I was done, completely had my book turned in, no turning back now, can't do anything. And I went back and watched um, the original episode of Hercules where Aphrodite meets Hephaestus for the first time. And I had to smile to myself because I was thinking, I remembered more of this than I thought. <laughs> she even makes a joke about him being kinky because he, he puts her in a pair of handcuffs because he's just trying to make sure she doesn't pour away because he needs to tell her something. And I was like, I didn't even remember that when I was writing, but apparently it was like in the back of my head. Um, But I, I have always loved the way that that show depicted Hephaestus, Aphrodite and Ares. And I respected the fact that it was the only thing I'd ever seen from that when when I was that age of anything that I saw that did not do the whole aries and aphrodite having an affair brother sister still knowingly having an affair and she cheats on Hephaestus and that whole thing blows up and um big big mess gross disgusting mess to me but anyway um I that show didn't do that they actually made Ares and Aphrodite have this really fun sibling like joking around relationship but a good one and uh and Hephaestus in that first episode he what well, many actors played him but that only that actor played in that episode he was my favorite and it was ju- he was just uh I just never thought that she could ever love him because he was ugly, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I always found it that she, um, sees him for him past the scar and he sees her beyond her beauty. He sees this beautiful person. And so I always love that aspect. And that is what I wanted to see period. And I, I really have not even found that in many books or anything. They really just go the other route of the drama, Um, so I, with Aphrodite, I've always liked this idea of her being, she loves to play dress up. She loves being a little girly girl. She loves pink. She that's, it's all her, but at the same time, she can also, especially when her family's involved, she wants to be able to protect, protect them, kick ass beyond what, um, her, her, her actual powers of what the universe has said, what should be her powers, Um, she is a woman who wants to go beyond that. And I don't, I don't necessarily think, I think a lot of the books and I'm not going to name names or anything, but a lot of the books lately with, with female characters, they take the female empowerment to me and they're going a little bit beyond that. They, they almost become masculine and they, or they become man haters or they become, um, something, you know, that I don't think that they have to necessarily lose their femininity to also be a badass warrior. And so I, um, I, I, I think that that's where I went with Aphrodite, honestly, is what I, this is what I've been, I've wanted to see with a female badass heroine for the longest time is one that loves to wear dresses and she'll wear a dress in battle. But then she also gets some like armor, but Hef is making sure to make the armor still feminine and, you know, and something that she would like, like Xena fought in a skirt and breastplate, you know, like that's, she still was feminine, but badass. And so I, I wanted to maintain that and even make her a little bit more, obviously she's more girly than Xena ever was, but, um, that's Aphrodite to me. I will never see Aphrodite as something, uh, else than, you know, she's the goddess of love, period. So she's still going to have her girly tendencies. And I wanted her to be a closet nerd because, um, that's also something that I have really dear in my heart. I'm not so much closet anymore, but I used to be, um, because it was questionable how people were going to react to it. And I was afraid of that reaction. It could be a good one, bad one, or it could be, you know, an over the top reaction that I didn't want to deal with. Um, so I, I definitely lent that part to her and I thought, that it would be an interesting connection for her and have to have too, because he's also, he's not a closet nerd. He's a, out there. I am a nerd. Um, but he has a different type of, you know, he's into Legos and video games and she's in a tabletop and action figures. And um, I, and I thought a lot of people could relate to that too. Um, I do know that a lot of my fan base uh, has a lot of, you know, fandoms that they're, you know, fans of just like me and everything. And I wanted to throw a lot of that in there. Um, and just say that yeah, two people can come together, in you know, this circumstances of just not realizing things about each other. If you just take the time, big thing in this book that I, I I'm guilty of it too is communication. <laughs> just talking about it um, to be able to just realize that they could have had this so long ago, but they just were both so afraid for their different reasons. And uh, I, Hephaestus, <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry, that was a really winded answer with Aphrodite. And it's funny because I, 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 I'm not going to refer to him as Hephaestus, even though in the book, just so people know, I do have him called Hephaestus because that is the more Greek way of pronouncing and spelling his name, which is why she nicknames him Phi. So just just to put that out there. But I will say Hephaestus because that's one people are more used to hearing. Um, but Hephaestus, I, I knew from when I came up with the idea that I wanted him to be some portal-jumping badass supernatural bounty hunter. Just really gritty and witty and just, you know, also a a cinnamon roll at the same time for Aphrodite specifically. And I knew I wanted to do that, but I didn't know that I was going to give him uh, a British Aussie Kiwi (laughs) vibe (laughs) until uh, I think two years ago. Um, And, yes, there was some inspiration from Carl Urban, um, which, ironically, Carl Urban, for anybody who doesn't know, was also on the Xena and Hercules shows. He played several roles. Several. (laughs) Yes. One of them was Cupid slash Eros. So it's just all around ironic. Um, but I, I liked the idea of him having this, you know what, I, I'm just going to say what I want to say from different cultures that I've picked up along the centuries and then s- some of the words I just make up. I don't care. I just talk how I want to talk, walk how I want to walk kind of deal. And that also came into play because he does, he's perpetually had this thing about the scar because it, you know, runs from his forehead all the way down, you know, to his chest and his mom, I mean, his mom threw him from Olympus because he was so ugly to her. And so, yeah, it's kind of had, it kind of gave him a complex, (laughs) Um, and so I think that he really, that's why he, he is, and so some people, he might be slightly over the top, especially in the first chapter, but I did that on purpose because I wanted people to know this is what you're in for. And if it's not something you're into, then you can stop now, but this is what you're in for. Um, so I definitely made sure to full arm, put his personality in that first chapter. And I actually wrote half of that chapter three years ago, I think, um, because I had his voice in my head and I I was like, I have to get this out. And it changed a little bit when I went back to actually fully write it, but at least that the core of what I wanted to do, even though I knew it wasn't ready to write the whole book, I knew what I wanted to have to be right then and there. Um, so I, I kind of just came up with the concept of having him be able to just be his own person. And this is what he does to kind of hide the fact And, you know, Aphrodite does say it, and it's true. He uses aloofness and jokes to hide the fact that he is very self-conscious about that scar. And he does decide also to grow the beard, even hide part of it and everything. And he just gets to a point where he just doesn't care anymore and pretty much figures he's going to be alone. And the only action he's going to get is from strippers and and stuff like that. So, (laughs) um, so yeah, he just comes to grips with the fact he's going to be alone forever. And, but then he just gets this inkling when he gets that when he sees that bounty and uh he doesn't realize it at first but he you know, this is a way for me to be around Aphrodite, even if, you know, a tiny bit forcibly. <laughs> um but for her, I don't think it's forced. I think you know, for her she likes it. You know, she likes the the chase and the and they're they're both just ridiculous and I love it because Uh, They're so in denial for quite quite a few chapters, and uh, I've always wanted to do something where they're already familiar with each other, so I can skip over that whole getting to know you bit. I'm going to be honest with you. It's just fun that they already knew each other. They knew their tells. They knew so much about each other, and it was just fun to play with that aspect and just let's get to the brass tacks because we don't need to get to know each other because we already do let's get to the slow burn of them finally realizing, uh, the feelings for each other. So yeah, I, I love this book so much.
0: <laughs> it's, it's so fun. And I have a confession. I know you mentioned Carl Urban. When I read this, I read this twice. My first read through, I had, um, Kano from Mortal Kombat. Uh, that's exactly where I went. So, so when you say like Carl Urban, I was like, like oh, I was like, oh, well, I wasn't that far off. No. <laughs> I was very close. Oh, So that's very reassuring. Uh, I want to kind of circle back to um, you have invented kind of like your own curse words and your own swear words. Uh, and I love that. Obviously, I'm a huge Farscape fan and, um, you know firefly fan and we know that they also did that uh and you also created all of these new businesses that you did uh i love the names of these businesses and i know that you said in the district like the district loves a gimmick uh did these how did these come to you they're so cute and clever (laughs) that's
1: a great question i i my I, i will say my favorite is bows before hose only because i um I don't even know how I, I was trying to think of things like Aphrodite. If what would she like, Oh, that clothing store looks fabulous. And I was thinking, okay, like this big pink bow. Okay. And then, so what is a phrase? And I, I don't even, it might've even been my husband one time, maybe we were gaming recently and they've said some kind of joke about bros before hoes. And I, it might've come to my brain at that point, but it did start with a pink bow period. And I knew I wanted even the logo design, everything to have a big pink bow. And, um, uh <laughs> honestly and then even like tortellini in love i have heard that one before i'm going to be honest um <laughs> but i wanted to throw it in there anything dystopian cyberpunky whatever you want to call it i promise you will have some form of noodles or ramen or something they all do because it is very sustainable and it's super easy to just throw some sauce on there and give it some other flavor um, so you will find that in anything. And I, I knew I wanted have to be just an absolute fan of pasta of all kinds. Um, so that's where that kind of came about is um, I took it from that. Um, and then the the metal, the, the fake metal. Uh, I love that the Marvel Universe has animantium and then DC has kryptonite. And I just like that they have these made up materials that become universal across the entire and any storyline within those universes involves those made-up metals and um the the site or the space fantasy that i actually got my agent for that i hope to get out soon um i made up that metal for that so i'm actually trying to cross them a little bit so that yeah kind of yeah, that was going to so be my can,
0: question. Yeah,
1: no, that, that that what is going on here is actually coexisting in another galaxy, basically, is what I'm trying to get across. Um, so, yeah, Oz is – I created that originally for my space fantasy that hasn't, you know, been out yet, but I'm working on it getting it for my agent. Um, but I wanted to throw that in there um, so that there was something connected. Um, but uh, – and then, yeah, gosh, what other businesses? I – And the words, honestly, so I, um, for any gamers, um, obviously I played a lot of Cyberpunk 2077 for, especially, I love that game period, but I I actually even started a second playthrough because I wasn't done with my book yet. And I I just love the inspiration because it's so uh, immersive. You can walk around and there's so many details and everything. And so I definitely use it as, as inspiration for my own book. And I really liked, and also even I think Blade Runner and some other really big cyberpunk, um, type movies or, or, or whatnot. They also, they have a lot of just made up words and it makes sense to me because it's this, their own society at that point. And so why would they be using the same words that we use right now? Um, and so I, um, I used inspiration from cyberpunk and Blade Runner. And yes, of course, obviously my sci-fi shows like Farscape and Battlestar Galactica, all those, um, But I decided I wanted to do something that meant, you know, cool. And I was kind of I I would (laughs) I would basically use a thesaurus and look at all words that meant some form of awesome or nice or what have you. And I'd find a word and then try to make it different. And uh, Biffy came from BFF, basically. So they basically took the term BFF and turned it into just Biffy. And I like the idea that it could be used as, yes, you are my best friend, but also as an insult to be like, yeah, sure, okay, Biffy. Um, And Minty, I don't know. (laughs) I just, um, the the whole idea of people getting obsessed with cybernetics is so on to me because I feel like that is what we would do as human beings. If we actually had uh, access like that, we're to the point where you could save up some money like you would do for a tattoo type deal and go get some cybernetics done. Um, I feel like it would become way more of a thing. As of right now, clearly, you know, that the idea of a cybernetic means you have to be a millionaire type deal if you even want to think about it. But um, to, 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 I think that that would seriously be what, what what human society would go toward. And especially, again, if they use propaganda to say, oh, you could call yourself extra minty the more cybernetics you have. Um, and a dystopia society too, where people are kind of, uh, <laughs> you're grasping at straws for entertainment and, you know, like things to keep you sane and things like that. And I, I honestly feel like that is the direction they would go. I actually even want to, I think I might at one point, but um, I want to get a, like a t-shirt design done of a chrome arm and saying how minty are you or something like that, because um, it's just, I, yeah, I like the concept and I like being able, you know, half being able to use it as a as an insult to people that do because he knows he doesn't have to because he's a god and he all the people that come against him i just like the idea of him using it as a joke
2: i'm not so familiar with cyberpunk i think i should put that out there yeah. um but that being said i feel like this book kind of is like when you're experimenting with new genres i think this is a perfect mixture of um to 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 kind of explore like look where do you straddle the line? I want to do something new because you still get the background with the romance. You already have your familiar characters. I was there any like visuals because Laura brought up uh, uh, the show on Netflix, but I was familiar and, and I'm thinking specifically with like the traffic system. I immediately went to like either new, new, New York and Doctor Who, or even Fifth Element. So like, I guess that really coincides with the world building, but you did, the way you did it felt so seamless. So somebody who was not familiar with the genre felt like, okay, this isn't overwhelming.
1: Yeah. And I, and I, I did that on purpose. So I'm glad that that did come across, um, because you know, if you hop into, let's even just call it a cyberpunk kind of military sci-fi type book, um, let's say zero romance. And I've read, you know, plenty of sci-fis that there's actually way more in the sci-fi genre that do not have really romance. It's more, um, military action and there's nothing wrong with that obviously. But for me, even as a reader, I really need romance anymore. It's just me. It doesn't even have to be a focal point. It can even be like a sub thing going on in the background. But I don't know. I'm just, it's just how I am anymore. When I was younger, I was reading all kinds of stuff. But for some reason, and maybe it's because I write romance now where I feel like I'm not, um, I'm not honing my craft, reading something that's not involving romance. I don't know. Um, but there is a severe lack of it. I think as far as, I mean, yes, there is alien romances and things like that out there, but straight sci-fi with then some romance, legit romance going on. Um, it's really hard to find. Um, and even for me as a reader, i realized it's really hard to find. And so I thought this could be a niche for me, you know, a, a, another niche aside from just Greek mythology, but just, you know, actually giving, because I think there are definitely more, you know, women out there that would give it more of a chance. If maybe there was a little bit of something like that or something to, um, to relate to a little bit more, because it's there's, even, even just uh, female authors in the sci-fi genre, there's not as many, um, and so I kind of want to try to get, you know, put my foot in there and the, <laughs> and just kind of edge my way in a little bit. Um, and so I had to make sure that I, 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 had a general understanding of what cyberpunk was clearly, but I wanted to make sure that I wasn't dipping into other genres. Cause I've watched so many, um, just like Laura, I've watched so many sci-fi shows growing up that I, it, it starts to sometimes crisscross the genres. And I didn't know, you know, which one specifically might've had those cyberpunk elements and and so I looked up, you know, specifically, if you want to do a cyberpunk, it should include X, Y, and Z. And I said, got it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and it really is down to the point of, it's usually as dystopian environments where it, they have high technology, but they're bordering on um, poverty. And then there's this big corpo company. That's basically the reason why there's poverty because they're taking all the money and they don't care. And, um, and then the idea of the cars. So not all Cyberpunk stories do the idea of hover cars, but I could not not do it because I love the concept of having not only ground traffic, but also aerial traffic still. And usually that aerial traffic is the people that can afford those cars type deal. Um, or, you know, medics and things like that, obviously they would rather be aerial cause they can get somewhere faster. Um, so I, yeah, I really had to sit down and it, I, I'll be honest, I didn't have everything figured out from the moment that I started, but I gradually, you know, as I got to those certain points, I'm like, okay, what do I want to do? And I had a couple of hangups here and there, and I would just type in there, you know, come back to this and kind of figure it out. Um, but that's when I'm writing something like this, I do submerse myself with music music and usually the video game that I'm playing if there's something that's like it I will be playing it like crazy so I was I did play I don't even want to admit how many hours of Cyberpunk 2077 um but and 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 that video game though period introduced a lot of people to the genre that did not know anything about it um, so for that, I'm thankful, too, because it really does get people interested, because if they've played the game and they know of the genre, even from the name of the game, um, they'll recognize the feel of it in, in this book. But then you got the magic part of it. And that's something that I also have always loved, the, the idea and concept of taking sci-fi, but also saying, why can't magic exist, too? Um, and that's, you know, uh, my space fantasy that again, that has not been released yet. That is, I, I mix those two together in that too. Um, so I definitely, I like the concept of mixing the two because, um, I, if, if I had to pick between Star Wars and Star Trek, not gonna lie, sorry, I will go with Star Wars because they have the technology. But again, they also have this fantasy elements throughout the entire thing. And that is just something that I think that why I never got as interested in Star Trek, because it was very, very techie sci fi. And so that's what I told myself that if I ever did anything like this, it would be more along the lines of star Wars so that I could have both and call it what Harrison Ford called it, which I loved. He said, this isn't a sci-fi, this is space fantasy. And I love that concept. And so that's what I kind of rolled with. And, um, Yeah, I'm I'm really, though, glad that you said that that you felt comfortable, even though you're not familiar with cyberpunk, because that was 100 percent my intention. And I didn't want to overdo it, but I wanted to give enough that if it's something that you discovered interested you, maybe you would check out some other, you know, cyberpunk stuff, too, because it is a really cool um, side street of sci-fi that people... I'm sure you've actually seen stuff that you didn't even realize was cyberpunk at the time, but um, hopefully people will go back and like, wait a minute, Blade Runner was... Uh, yeah, that kind of was like that, or Fifth Element was too. I mean, all those movies um, would fall into that genre, so yeah I'm glad that it uh didn't didn't overwhelm you <laughs> no no and I and I say
2: that like and I feel like sometimes some of these genres like you were saying like to have a like women writers in this specific genre and niche are you know aren't I don't want to say aren't at the forefront but we know what the fandom communities are and we know how fanboys yeah. can be i mean and not just in like the communities that we enjoy but even like in a gaming like a gaming realm and that can be so intimidating of anybody trying to go into a new space and just like hey guys just want to say hi like w- want to get a feel for something and then immediately are on the defense because they're either being attacked or you you know and even like and not just these genres like think about if you're like following a sport team or if you're following a new band well what was their first single back in 1972 And the three people who wrote the song who or you know and you're like "I, i i was just trying to enjoy something but you you don't and and that's what you you've opened this so beautifully by creating like this world building and the magical elements because that's that's fun i mean just even you know you have the mixture of half we have the neosphere and then you have
1: uh aphrodite Popping people off with glitter. I was obsessed. <laughs> I was obsessed. E- even if it's blinding people so that Hef can whack him with his hammer axe, I mean, that's still, she did something. Um, so, and, and the fact that her powers are all wonky still at that point. So, the idea in my brain that even if she didn't mean to do that, I think it's hilariously awesome that she did do it, you know, and then it's just because, hey okay, well, if the only thing that's going to come out of these hands is glitter. Well, here, I'm going <laughs> to glitter bomb your ass, you know? <laughs> Um, Yeah, I honestly didn't realize that there was so as many women like me that were into because I mean you just don't it's not something that comes up in everyday conversation, you know, like that's not the first thing I say when I meet somebody is, hey, are you into sci-fi? It's like <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually didn't realize it until I became a part of um so it's a video game company called Bioware and they do Mass Effect and Dragon Age is their two biggest properties. And I am a huge, huge anybody who knows me, I'm a huge Mass Effect fan um, mildly obsessed fan of the, I'm a huge fan girl of it. And I started getting involved in the community on Twitter, and I found a lot of people, especially when I was doing pitches on Twitter, and I one of my comparison titles was Mass Effect. And so I had all these people coming out of the woodwork, mostly women, who were like, wait a minute, this is kind of like Mass Effect? And I said yeah, especially if you are into the, uh, the Garrus romance, who, for anybody who's unfamiliar, Garrus is not human. He's completely not. (laughs) He's an alien, you know, badass sniper type character. And it's somebody that you can romance in that series. And I really didn't realize how many women were into that storyline and just overall the entire universe and everything until I started doing these pitches and and making friends and getting involved. And there is a lot, there's a huge, huge, huge um, area of women that love sci-fi romance specifically that's you know, the world is falling down around us type deal, but there's also this, we find time for romance because, you know, I found my person. And so, um, it, it really motivated me because then when I realized that there is as much of an audience as there is that I didn't realize that even with this book, um, I feel that, it, I've already had people going, wait, you mix cyberpunk with Greek mythology? I've never even heard of that. And so I I'm over the moon about it cuz it's not even released yet and just the the advanced readers and everything are saying that they've never even heard of the, of a concept like this. And so I'm I'm grateful for it cuz I hadn't either and that's why I did it. So <laughs> Well, it's very it's very exciting. And I, I kinda wanna touch on a couple
0: points here. So you mentioned in the beginning of the episode that um you did not feel that you could write this book before now because you, you just weren't ready um with like experience and like skill wise um to, to, to write it. And I, I, I want to get there, but I also want to say that your consistency as a writer is something that is really beautiful to me personally because Aphrodite Again, as we have said in all of your other books when we talked about them, Aphrodite does not lose her female friendships here. Oh, no. Oh, no. She has her graces. They stay with her. They get all of the details. They're, like, deeply involved in her life. They're there with her business. Um, You know, Thalia is there for the bonding. It is just a very... Wonderful thing. So your consistency there, I really love. Um, but uh, skipping forward, though, uh, Carly, ma'am, this book is spicy. <laughs>
1: I was wondering when you guys were going to go there.
0: <laughs> Miss ma'am, um, I have to say and express my surprise. Um, I did not expect for um, half and Aphrodite to get to get to the spicy part by chapter 18 i was expecting that at the end of this book and they they were already you know doing, doing what they do in chapter 18 and i was like there is so much left where are we going <laughs> it was so exciting um so so tell me did did it take no let me reword <laughs> um the, Has your family read this book (laughs) and what was this like for you?
1: Okay. So, so if, if anybody's read Zeus, Zeus was my spicier one, but now this one definitely is even more spicier than Zeus. Um, And there's a reason for that. And I said when we, when I had talked to you guys about Zeus too, I, I said, I will not throw a bunch of stuff in there just for the sake of throwing it in there. There has to be a rhyme and reason for every scene. There has to be for me. And for this one, I found a lot of reasons. I I did. I, I, you know, she, here's the thing. So, I mean, she's the goddess of love. She is used to, let's be honest. She's, she's used to being used like people just, you know, she's the goddess of love. And so who wouldn't want to, you know, have the opportunity to hit that type deal. And, you know, she's also used to being in control because nobody is, is, or they're afraid to try to take control because they wouldn't, you know, satisfy her or, you know, she's just used to just kind of, you know, doing whatever, whoever whenever and it gets i would honestly think it would get old like to the point where it's just like i I, this isn't even you know pleasurable anymore and um so again harking back to the funny that aphrodite made a joke about him being kinky in the hercules show um but i was like this is actually a perfect opportunity i never really honestly want to go full kind of fifty shades mode, that's just not my thing. But the the what they do in this, just the 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 level, I, I I don't go past a certain point, but the level of it just made sense to me because she is the type of person who is used to having the power over everything and the control. And half is finally one that um, has the cojones to, to do that for her. And, but at the same time, the back of his head, he's screaming like, Oh my gosh, am I actually, am I, am I doing this? I'm not going to show it my face, but is, is, is everything? Am I doing this? All right. Like, I don't know this is the goddess of love. Um, and, I just I knew that these two were going to be super passionate the moment that it happened and it just it, it... Like what Orion says at one point, this is, you know, centuries worth of built up tension. So you take a book with two humans where it's a slow burn, and then all of a sudden they're just, you know, carnal monkeys with each other because they finally let loose. Well, think about two gods that have been alive for a long time, and this tension has been building up for a thousand years type deal. Yeah, this stuff's going to happen. It's going to happen frequently, you know, especially also they're in the midst of action. So there's adrenaline going and she's finally getting able to, to fight, which she's never, you know, even felt like she could do before, but with Hef, he's encouraging it. And, and so there's so many different feelings going on and, you know, with those two, that's how they express it, you know, and it's, and I, I, I enjoyed exploring it as far as my parents, they have not read it yet. Um, <laughs> they will, uh, and my mother-in-law, uh, again, a stipulation, I will tell all of them. You can read it, just don't talk to me about it.
2: Don't look me in the eye. <laughs> have they read your other stuff too? So did they not
1: bring it up then? No. Nope. Yeah. We just don't talk about it. You know, it's just fine. You know, I just, uh, they, I know they do. And I am very thankful that I have such a supportive family. So I'm not going to tell them, no, you can't read it. I just really honestly has just not talk about it. Cause it's awkward. Um, and I, and I don't, I will be honest with you. The reason, the hugest reason before Zeus that hung me back from going a little bit more in some of those books was because of that. And I just decided that I'd have a talk with them and just say, look, I love that you support me. And I will never ask you obviously not to read my books. Um, but for those particular moments, just let's just pretend like, yeah, didn't, you didn't read them. Okay. <laughs> and so and when I, when I got to that mentality, cause I knew Zeus was going to have more period and I needed to be able to be in a mental state where I didn't hold myself back worrying about that. And so the moment I just stopped worrying about it and they, they uphold their promise of not talking to me about it, which they do, and they'd still do. Um, I can kind of let it fly a little bit more. So, um, I won't say that I will go too much past what this book did. I think I found my happy zone. Um, but it also just really made sense for these two because they're very two passionate individuals. They have been in love for a long, long, long time and really into each other. And so it just makes sense that they go at it like rabbits after the, after everything finally settles. Um, and I think it kind of just adds a little bit. And it's also kind of humorous because you got Orion and Aries that are kind of their third and fourth wheel. And they're like, okay, they're at it again. Let's go get a drink. And they, so I just think that uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's just that kind of moment of they finally found each other. They finally, you know, are connected. And I would imagine they would explore it that way many times. They're also very sweet. Uh, they, they're, when I was reading this, I was
0: like, oh my gosh, have, that is really <laughs> adorable. Like, oh my God. And they're like, you know, it's corny. It's corny. like all of that between the two of them. It's like, but I like it. It's like, oh, it's very sweet. Um, big, tough man, soft, small pet. Is that a trope? Because I love that. <laughs>
1: Is it a trope?
0: I don't even know. I feel like it is, should be if it's not. <laughs> because it, it, it made me think, of, quite honestly, I'll admit this to you. Um, what is it? It's Con Air, put the bunny in the box. Like um, He's very tough, man, dirty, man, soft, small, stuffed bunny. Uh, but yeah. I
1: was like, is this a trope? So if it is, someone tell us. <laughs> I will be 100% honest. I was a little inspired, obviously, by the Mandalorian. Um, you got, you know, the tough, action-y, gruff guy who all of a sudden, this little, cute, little green thing comes into his life, baby, doesn't know what to do with himself, can't take care of himself, and he takes it upon himself to eventually become his dad. And so... Um, I love that. And that's actually one reason why I even keep coming back to that show is I just love that concept of the two of them together. And it's just, I can't get enough of it. So when I was coming up with Hef, again, the bunny was not something that I originally came up with. That that didn't even come into play until I started writing. And I was like, you know what? He needs like... I don't know, like a sidekick, but not a person and like, a, I don't know. And so I did a little bit of research into Greek mythology deeper than what, and I honestly never knew that there was a thing with Aphrodite and rabbits. Um, but I guess it makes sense. Cause they're kind of representative of fertility and, uh, yeah, people would give, would, would, which is really weird because where's the rabbit's just going to hop away, but they <laughs> were to seriously <laughs> put rabbits on her altar, you know, as, as a gift to her. Um, I guess they're there briefly, <laughs> or they would give them as gifts to each other in honor of love and her. And so I like this idea of him having a rabbit. And when he initially adopted it, he didn't realize he was doing it because of Aphrodite loving rabbits. And so that whole thing comes into play too, that he's like, Oh, i I did get that because you like rabbits. Wow, I didn't even realize that, and uh, and it's just I love it because it because it, it's just this little sidekick that's along with them for the entire ride. They have to constantly be conscious of where he is. Is he sleeping? Is he in the pocket? Which pocket did we put him in? Like, <laughs> and just making sure that this little creature is okay this entire time too and not just them and this creature is not a god or magical in any kind it's an actual legit rabbit so uh i i just i've always loved that concept of having to worry about this little creature that can't fend for itself um and is not you know human or can talk or anything like that um and uh i also the the whole lego thing um i i like this concept of hef uh, like needing to tinker with stuff all the time, and to me, um, with him being like a, he's also I did I, I, my research God of Technology, volcanoes, and the Forge. So he's not just a Forge God; he's also volcanoes and technology. And so it just made sense to me that he would play video games, and it made sense to me that he would build Legos because who also he'd be the ultimate Lego builder, um, just because he's you know he he builds things and he molds things and. <laughs> Again, just randomly, I'm like, mm, maybe the rabbit likes a he-man Lego. I don't know. Stop! Um, <laughs> that melted my little
2: heart when he's just. Oh my god! He doesn't eat him. He doesn't choke. He just like holds on to him. He just he just like holds him. <laughs> That's a detail.
0: We have said before, Carly, that you put little details into your books that we just really love. And that's one of them. I I just like sat there for a minute. Like, that's the cutest thing I've ever heard. Did did you?
2: And just like personally, do you? You don't. You have dogs. Do you have have a bunny? Yeah. Do you have a bunny? Because these are like so specific. I was like. And and this she is like this, this bunny is getting like he he's in these battles with them. I was like they're more <laughs>
1: like durable than I realized. She must have a rabbit. I have personally never owned one, but and this is probably where this came from too. Is my aunt's when I grew when I was growing up, I hung out at my aunt's house a lot because my cousin and I were like best friends, and uh, so she had at least four or five rabbits through the entire time that I was growing up. And my favorite one was named Coco, and it was a fly eared, cute as sin, little rabbit. <laughs> and it was so chill. And it would actually, it's the only one that I even like because the other ones, some of them would try to bite you and others were just so hyper or skittish or something. But Coco, I could seriously just put it in the crook <laughs> of my arm and just pet his belly and he would just let me and he didn't care. And he, everything was right with the world and he was just super chill. So I think that honestly, that's where it came from because I honestly was under the impression most rabbits to me are really kind of skittish and not really, uh, personable but then I also talked to one of my beta readers who also has a floppy eared rabbit and they actually got it for her daughter as a comfort animal and it's very chill too where it lets you just pet it and stroke its fur and however you want it just will just sit there and let you pet it and so I've then like then that could also be something for Hef so I kind of gave him that too is that that him him? every time he's stroking that rabbit's fur it's him like a trying to calm down or you know, get your mind in the game or anything like that. So that's also... So Coney, the rabbit, does something more for him than just be you know this cute little sidekick. He actually helps to offer comfort to his owner, his quote-unquote um, animal daddy. So um, I it, it really just piggybacked. It started with this cute idea of let's throw a rabbit in there to, okay, actually, he has a legit purpose. So I... Um, so much so much exploration with this book over the span of months, um, when I started writing it. Um, and it just, again, it just blossomed into something I, I I hadn't started out with, but I'm glad that it got there because I, I have an ensemble cast and I have, you know, this world that I, that I built with words and, and these two, all these characters have, you know, development. I have already had so many people asking me, they hope they see an Orion book. (laughs) Um, Because Orion just becomes this BFF guy that tells it like it is and sees the eye of reason over anybody else. But he does that because he's not in his own own stuff yet. So um, definitely throwing hints out there. I'm definitely going to be even putting more new characters in the next book um, than what you see already. But I didn't want to put too much in this book because there's already a lot as there is. Um, But the the cast of characters is going to expand even more in the second book. And um, yeah, it's been a wild ride. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Do
2: you feel like you've had some, I mean, the last time we chatted, when we were going through like between all the books that you wrote and all the novellas you were like i need to breathe because you're just like do you feel like you've found that place to breathe yet or you're just trying to find because not only do you have this you do have the the space odyssey series that or, uh, that you you shared on your socials also that is you know forthcoming
1: yeah um Yes and no. <laughs> um, I I found a moment to breathe with not having to draft like crazy, but that's that's actually that's already out the window. I've, I'm I'm back to having to draft. Um, it's it's just never ending because like with this book, it's done and it's been done for months now. But the marketing and um, we just finished doing the audiobook. Um, I'm actually uh, uploading uh, uploading the files um, tonight and sending them off for processing so to, that it releases the same day as the book and the ebook and everything. Um, so I had to do that too. You know, I had to proof and listen to the audio make sure the voices were right. Um, which it's the same two narrators that did Zeus. So I wasn't, you know, worried necessarily, but there's a lot of Greek names and words and everything in this one. So there was a lot of pronunciation clarifications let's say <laughs> um and I even put a pronunciation slash reference thing in this book at the back because there's just so many of them and there was some of them that I didn't even realize or pronounced a certain way and I was like okay I better I better tell people that that's how this is pronounced so that they're aware <laughs> like me it's never ending. I mean, I, I did get a time where I'll say I, I got a couple of weeks. So it's, I guess it's enough, honestly, <laughs> um, where I just kind of got to chill and whatever, but then I randomly got my agent, which I wasn't expecting. And I am completely thankful for it. Obviously it's, it's, um, it's blissful, um, chaos as I get my book ready to go on submission. Um, but, uh, that was unexpected. So I, I, got a little less time than I wanted, but it's fine because I've been sitting on this book for a long, long time and it's gone through many, 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 many revisions. And, um, I really hope that this is obviously the final one. And when I hand it off to her, um, she'll get to be able to champion and get it out there the way that I want it. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it, it, be, now that I'm, I'm, it's what's called a hybrid author because I'm hopefully going to have something traditionally published at at some point, but also still remain an in, indie author too for my own stuff. And um, it's it's a surreal feeling to be uh, both, um, and then also be marketing on both and being able to to juggle both. Um, but I I feel extremely grateful that it it finally happened, and hopefully um, you all can meet that that cast of crazy characters, too, someday. So.
0: <laughs> well, obviously, we cannot wait for that. Uh, but you're talking about kind of the push that you have to do now. Can you take me through the creation? Because we're winding down here. Uh, can you take me to the creation of your map, your city map? Uh, very helpful, very beautiful. And then I'd also like to touch on the art that you have, because these characters are now like, Uh, in front of us in real life. We can look at these pictures and also the map. What was that experience like for you? I know you had to reference it when writing it.
1: I hadn't even really considered uh, a map until I was was going through and writing it and going, I don't remember how far (laughs) this is supposed to be or what direction. And I know there are going to be some readers that are going to say, no, that was not that close or was not that direction. And so... I again I was thinking whenever you're playing video games um, if it's an open world RPG type game you always have a map you always have a reference to where you're going how far something is and where key you know markers are and I said you know screw it I will do a city map and so um, this uh, other author named uh, Dewey he actually did um, he's done a bunch of maps for a bunch of different uh, friends of mine and so and I had talked to him briefly and I just reached out and said, Hey, I don't, have you ever done a city map? Not, you know, a map map, but a city map. And he said, he'd done a couple, not too many, but he's really interested because he's not done that many. Um, and so I gave him references of a bunch of different video game maps. Um, and he, you know, we had to do a couple of tweaks because I said, okay, well, Dalen needs to be more, you know, looking like it's separated by a reservoir or the fringes need to be a lot bigger because it's big open wasteland, you know, uh, Ithaca needs to be the biggest place because I describe it as the biggest, and and then then desolation row needs to be even bigger than Ithaca because that's where all the poverty is so after we we're you know he he got it right after the revisions I asked him to do and then I said hey what about if we put like key markers like a video game of you know bows before hoes and and here, here's where Hef lives here's where Orion lives because um, for me again that helped me too after I had it to be like okay yeah but Orion lives all the way over here so they have to have some way of getting there faster okay Aries with them so they can port. Okay, so they just port over to okay, we're good. So <laughs> um it was a big thing of my final revision that I was constantly thinking about that. And I'm glad I had the map to reference because I did have to make a couple of tweaks. Um, and I am not saying anything against nitpickers because it is what it is, and you know I will own it, so that's why I decided to own it before I released it, and uh made sure that I had all those uh covered and the artwork um I also decided to do something a little different this time with uh, the people that I commissioned because there is a lot lot of amazing, talented artists on Twitter um, that don't really... They they kind of dabble in Instagram and other places, but they're mostly on Twitter, and they are known for the fan art that they do of, of fandoms like, again, Mass Effect, Dragon Age. That's the only reason why I knew of these artists is because of that, or the one did cyberpunk fan art. Um, and they just do commissions for people of their original characters or they do the characters from the game and put them out there. And that's what they're known for. But they are amazingly talented. And so I reached out to all fan art artists this time, um, all three of them. I, have, I don't think I've released I'm going to be releasing the art of the last piece um, a couple weeks from now. Um, but uh, they're all from, from fandoms that I like that they did fan art for. And, um, yeah, they, they blew me out of the water. Um, they really just nailed the, 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 the tone, the feeling, um, and they were really awesome to work with. And, um, the, the piece that's going to be in the hardback and the front in black and white, and then, um, a color prints for anybody who orders the special edition boxes. And I, I probably will sell them by themselves eventually at some point. Um, I'm probably going to set up an Etsy shop at some point, cause there's a bunch of stuff from this book that um, i know people are really going to want um but that piece too of the entire four character ensemble of the pivot it's, it's a scene that you won't get necessarily spoiled by with the, with the art but once you get to that scene in the book if you see the art beforehand you know exactly what what scene it's from um yeah he he blew he blew me away with that piece because Aphrodite's dress alone was, (laughs) (laughs) I gave him probably 12 different photos and I circle, okay, this part of this dress, this part of this dress, this part of that. And I, that's how I came up with the dress is I found when she was talking about, um, okay, I'm just going to take all these ideas and mash them into a dress. That's kind of what I did when I came up with it. So I really did. I went on Pinterest and I was looking at all these dresses and I was like, Oh my gosh, these are all so pretty. I don't know what to do. And I ended up seriously mashing about 10 to 12 different aspects of dresses into one. Um, because I wanted my Epic dress that people will never forget type deal, um, that I've read in other books. Um, Specific, even like uh, a Qatar type, you know, dress like deal with that, that Feyre had and everything. I wanted a dress like that. I wanted people to remember. And um, I also, I'm not going to lie. I wanted people to have an excuse to cosplay. So I gave Aphrodite a lot of pivotal costumes that you can, you can cosplay. So um, yeah, I did it on purpose and I, but it also fit her character to, to constantly change wardrobe um but I also yeah I wanted people to have plenty of options to cosplay if they wanted to Aphrodite so
2: well and that was one of the fun things when she got one of her like when she got her powers back she was like oh my god I didn't realize how much I like missed like missed a new look like so she needed to be like and I want a day look and I want a night look and I want a bathroom look and I went she was like that was like one of the things that she was most excited for she's like oh finally I get to like be cute again
1: yeah Yeah. And I, and I, I liked her, um, the, the pink Jack crop jacket and halter top and all that stuff, which is what she wore most of the time that she got from the clothing store, what she ended up wearing most of the time. Um, I just liked that it was a different thing for her because half talks are into, a look, seriously, you're going to look in anything. So just put on a pair of pants for crying out loud. She's like, OK, well, fine. Yeah,
2: I'm um, yeah, I'm going to make the I'm going to if I'm. you want me to wear pants, I'm going to make the ones that make my ass look the best. And even or when she wants to do the dress and her brother, Aries is like, you can't fight in a dress. And she's like, but I got shorts. <laughs>
1: like yeah. I love it. I love a short under a dress situation. You never have to worry about the wind again. That was her favorite figuring out how to have function and beauty at the same time. And that was something that was kind of progressing as she, even as small as that is to me, it was something that she had to figure out because she's just used to just being pretty. And, uh, what is the name of that song? There is a song that I, I used a lot. Oh, the sit still and look pretty. I don't know if you guys remember that song. Um, but that was a huge, and that's actually on the playlist because it was a huge thing because it was just, you know, how, Um, beauty queen type people are expected to just sit there and look pretty. And um, they have this expectation of them and they're supposed to look flawless at all times and never cry. And if they do, you're supposed to go away to do it and make sure your makeup looks good when you come back. And um, so I, I wanted her to, 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 blossom out of that, that shell and then show she, I can look pretty, but I can also be functional at the same time. And that's something that I, again, I really wanted to push out there because, you know, you can be badass and and feminine at the same time, and also be vulnerable, and be you know, and and sometimes be you know okay with the guy protecting you, like you because you know that that was oh gosh, if you wouldn't have done that, I would have gotten you know a, a, my head cut off or something, you know. <laughs> um, so I just wanted that whole thing of everybody being okay with each other, helping each other, and they're a team. And even just half an Aphrodite, they are a team, and there is no you know. I don't need your help because I am badass and I can do this on my own. Neither of them. Cause you know, even have to, as much as he had to learn too, as much as he was, you know, fearful for her going into the, the the, the, the wolf's den, so to speak. Um, and he just had to realize that she's got her powers back. She's no, she knows what she's doing. She's got a lot of reasons to make this work and just trust her. And that was that thing that they both had to build too. And, Um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of things I wanted to say with this book subtly, but they're there. Uh, just a couple of things. Um, let's say,
0: let's list, if you would, Carly, kind of, um, let's list some of the tropes off the top of your head, some of the references off the top of your head, and then you can go into full advertising mode about where we can find you, when things are coming out, all of that.
1: Okay. So tropes, um lot of tropes <laughs> lots, lots of lots of tropes i am um, not gonna lie i definitely um any trope that i like and that i was comfortable with i kind of put it most of them in this book um but there is only one bed there's frenemies i'm actually going to call them to lovers friends to lovers but they're kind of frenemies to lovers um there is secret mutual pining there is um who did this to you yes. both of them <laughs> um there is man oh, you girls, if you girls can think of anything to help me i would appreciate it.
2: i'm trying to there was the one i like the one motorcycle trope where they're like he first she's behind him and then he's she's in front of him and he's wrapping like they're riding the motorcycle together and she's like i don't know what to do and he's like you'll be fine i like like i love i love little things like that like all the cutesy stuff Then Laura said, like, the, you know, big man cinnamon roll for this little animal. Yes, even
1: though I don't know if that's (laughs) an official trope, but I definitely wanted to start advertising that as a trope. (laughs) You're like, that is a trope now! There's there's some training montages. We had sexy
0: training
2: montages. There is, yeah. That's right, yes. Sexy training montage. (laughs) There was Mm -hmm. the bro montage, like, they're, like, his bachelor party, and they're just like, but it's not like a huge
1: party. There's, you know, you have that. Yeah, there's so many. I actually I need I do need to uh, to list these because <laughs> I, I, I squeeze so many in there. Oh, there is the Good Girl trope but it actually has gone a little bit more as a joke, <laughs> but it's still in there. <laughs> and if you listen to the audiobook, it's actually really awesome to hear. Um, I had I actually squealed when I heard it. <laughs> recently <laughs> um, but uh, yes, yeah, so there's that. Um, man. Uh, I guess the the whole the Aphrodite um being feminine yet badass is also kind of a trope. Um, yeah. faded mates, yeah, faded mates. Well, they're not just faded mates.
2: there there's the eternity, eternity bond mates. is that like that yeah. kind of elevates the faded me mm-hmm.
1: trope, yes, yeah, yeah. I, I um I like the idea of them choosing and then it being accepted. So it's like it was faded, but they chose. It's and then the fate said, yes, we agree with you, basically, is the type of type of thing that I was going for there. Um, That's also uh, a little thing that might also be in my space fantasy, too. (laughs) Um, I it's it's I am definitely I'm I'm winding it all together, friends. (laughs) (laughs) Love Um, it
0: love it um, so you said list the tropes and then what else did you say I'm sorry how about some references and I'll start you off with uh, we've got Star Wars in here we've got X-Men in here what else do we
1: have we have got uh, a lot of 80s songs references again but Hef is a very very big 80s fan which is why he has even the 80s gaming consoles and you got the Watch. Super Mario mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the castle that he was referring to the the Lego castle was actually a castle that my husband built in minecraft with a working (laughs) moat so that's why i threw it in there (laughs) nice um but a lot of mario references a lot Even calls her peach as in princess peach um there is actually a very small mass effects reference i'm not even going to say what because i want anybody who is familiar to catch it i've already had one advanced uh, reader say what it was like she she caught it um there is one in there um for mass effect fans um there is uh, 80s tv show references i know he he references flash dance top gun um, top <laughs> gun. Yeah, top gun yes <laughs> ninja turtles um <laughs> Uh, pretty much anything that I could oh Transformers um yes oh god. <laughs> that's what, oh my <laughs> yes. god that's
2: what I'm so excited for the audiobook because she's like I want you to do your and you're I know boy. he's such a good one like we saw in, uh, on uh tw- on your Twitter who the narrator is who's doing the male narrator and I was like oh my god I need to hear his Optimus
1: Prime so bad uh, you're not even ready <laughs> I will be honest. I actually uh, threw that in there because, because, because he I saw on his resume that he's done the voice before for uh, something else. So that is why that's in there. But it worked because that cartoons from the eighties. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. So there's Transformers, and yes, uh, the the male narrator does do the Optimus Prime voice. <laughs> I'm so excited! It's so exciting! Olympics. It's so exciting! When you heard it, were you like, oh my,
2: I it, this is better than I even like thought it could be?
1: Oh, yeah. I, fr- I freaked out because I, <laughs> I took I took a well-known quote that Optimus says. When he's saying that, he actually says, um, oh my gosh, I'm completely losing my brain right now. The main g- bad guy's name, Megatron. He actually is talking to Megatron and basically saying, I, instead of saying what he says to Aphrodite, he says, I will find you. But I switched it up to him saying to Aphrodite and I will you essentially um so i changed it up to to just go along with his personality and the fact that they had just finished doing the the dirty um and yeah it's it is (laughs) perfect (laughs) (laughs) so i I couldn't be happier and I, i also the female narrator um the character's name it's it looks like it's lupe but it's actually pronounced leapy the little crazy maniacal torturer with, uh, with narcissists. Um, she did her voice so perfectly. I can't even tell you. She is the perfect mix of high pitch, squealy, crazy, just frantic. It's, it's, it's perfect. Um, so that's, that's a character that will come up again. I promise because she's so fun. She's just too fun. She's a little chaotic, little crazy thing. So transformers. And there, there is basically any eighties, um, TV show, music, anything that I can think of. Um, there's also a lot of references to synthwave music because um, that's also really huge right now and plays into cyberpunk really well. Um, it's basically uh, techno, but mixed with saxophone and um, uh, what's the guitar? I guess you'd call it. <laughs> yeah, <they're, laughs> um, yeah, but there's there's references to also famous songs that have the the saxophone, like Careless Whisper or Baker Street or things like that um lots of saxophone um yeah there's so much i I really there there are two nerds that just i and i I just took the opportunity to pour everything that i could into it um and yeah so that's uh, there's probably more but i can't think of them right now
0: (laughs) well you're hyping up this audiobook so hard so i'm so excited for that and you're also hyping this playlist uh is the playlist something that is available for everybody or is that just something you keep private
1: No. Yeah. So every single book that I do, um, I will initially make a work in progress playlist. That's usually about four to six hours long because it's me listening to it constantly while I'm writing, while I'm working out, while I'm walking, while I'm driving, I'm listening to it constantly to keep me in the zone and to get me inspired. But then I narrow it down to maybe two, two hours or so for the official playlist that I'll put out for everybody with the, the base, any songs that appear that I mention in the book will be on there. And then any ones that I feel are very, um, important to the feel, the tone of the book. Um, and those are available to everybody. Betty. Um, I do have a, a Carly Spade Spotify that that's where I put them all. Yeah. Sorry if you don't use Spotify, but that's what I use. <laughs> makes it really easy because all the songs are up there and I, that, that's what I use to make the other lists. So I know they're all there. Um, but yeah, I will always link them in the back of the ebook too. So if you do read the ebook, you can just click on it and go to the, the playlist. Um, but then I will also, I, I advertise it all over the place i'll put it in my um my link tree and um any anything that i put on facebook or anything i will always add the pinterest mood board and the spotify playlist that i used so you guys can enjoy it too because this this is a fun one the 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 playlist for this because it's very um it helps you get into the cyberpunky kind of mood too because there's a lot of songs again synth wave songs and everything on that list too so
0: Oh, that's so exciting. Uh, Carly, where can we find you? Where, when does the book come out? All of the things tell us absolutely everything so everyone knows where to pick this up.
1: Yeah, so I'm found on pretty much all the major socials, um, TikTok and Instagram. I'm on there as author Carly Spade. Twitter, it's just Carly Spade. Uh, You can find me on Facebook, just looking up Carly Spade as well. Um, I also have a reader's group on Facebook called Aces of Spade. Um, if you look that up, you'll find me, uh, I do a lot of early teasers and stuff in my readers group. So it's, uh, it's fun to be in there. And, uh, sometimes I'll do special things just for the readers, um, that I don't do elsewhere. Um, if you go to my website, carlyspade.com, you can also sign up for my newsletter. Again, I do early exclusive reveals and, and things of that nature for any newsletter subscribers that you can only get if you're subscribed. Um, I am also on Goodreads and BookBub and I mean, pretty much any matrix and major social I am on there. If you just look up Carly Spade, I, it's the same across the board. Um, the book comes out February 27th, uh, which is a Monday, um, and then, uh, there's going to be a lot of giveaways throughout, uh, the month of March for the book from various different tour groups on Instagram. So if you do follow on there, make sure you look out for those. Cause it's going to be a ton of them. Um, I'll be holding one myself as well. So if you want a chance at getting one of the promo Boxes that I've been sending out to all the bloggers and Instagrammers and whatnot. Um, definitely watch out for that because that'll be your opportunity to get one. <laughs> Otherwise, if you want to order a special edition box, um, you can find that link in my profile on Instagram or TikTok. Um, and it is a special box that includes a k- complete design uh, of Love and Forge box. It comes with a character art book sleeve, um, four art prints, uh, swag, a special keychain, stickers. I throw the whole thing everything in there you get everything way more than even the promo boxes cover so um, if you're interested in that you can get a paperback or a hardback or both there is going to be a hardback for this book and I will tell you uh, I'm not going to even show the the naked cover because I want people to be surprised and if they post <laughs> about it awesome but I'm not going sh- I'm not going show it um, but the naked cover even of this hardback is extremely sexy. So just putting it out there, but the hardback um, is also going to be available for this. So yeah, I'm excited.
2: (laughs) Oh, we're so excited that we that you took the time to talk to us about it. And just for it to be out in the world so everybody else can share the excitement that you know, we've been privileged that you got to share with us too a little bit early so we can talk about it here.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's been a blast. This is the first uh, the first I've talked about it with anybody like like this. So it's been uh, it's been really fun. And I, I realize even how much more I I'm very proud of this book, just even talking with you guys about it. So I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, great. Thank you so much, Carly. No problem. It was fun hanging out with you as always.
2: So feel free to follow Carly on all her socials that she mentioned. We'll also have those in the show notes. And of course, feel free to join us on Instagram at Acafe Podcast. And we're also both on TikTok, Acafe, Laura and Acafe Jessica. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you all soon. Bye.